You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 62. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hello, and welcome to The Business Marketing Show, uh, we are back now for 2017. We've had our uh, break over Christmas and New Year's, and this is the first episode back for 2017. And we are going to be talking about uh, marketing tools and strategies that uh, you should be focusing on for 2017 and what's working uh, for us at the moment with our clients. So uh, welcome to Brendan Tully from the Search Engine Shop, my co-host uh, on the Business Marketing Show. How are you, Brendan? I'm good, Ed. Such a formal introduction today. Yes, keeping it exceptionally professional. We've got to have at least one professional episode out of all the ones for the year, and this this is the one, even though mm-hmm. we've, we've gone off track already. Uh, I, I, where did that rule come from? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I just made it up while I was on holidays. <laughs> so uh, how have you been? You've had, you had a good break? Good Christmas, good New Year's. Yes, I did. And then I came back to a lot of emails, but that's okay. That's probably uh, a good problem to have, not a bad problem to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, As long as the emails aren't people complaining and they're people wanting to, to uh, give you business, that's fantastic. So, <laughs> so I hope everyone else out there had a good break, had a good, a good Christmas, New Year, and uh, thanks for listening to the marketing podcast or the business marketing show as we like to call it <laughs> I've, I've been away for so long i've forgotten what we're called uh so uh, we've got a lot of uh, great stuff lined up in 2017 we've got some really cool guests coming on the show that we will start to mention uh, over the next few podcast episodes um to uh you know give their experience and wisdom on uh, what they do um, still focused mainly on business and on marketing That'll be the, the main subject matters we'll be covering over the year and uh, with a f- strong focus, obviously, on online marketing because that's where Brendan and, uh, and I live for most of our time when we're, we're working. So so today, mate, we've got a bit of a list and we, we've done these over the last few years. When you look back on the podcast, you can see we've, uh, we've had our sort of blueprint episodes that we've done, for want of a better word, uh, mm-hmm. covering stuff uh, that we have... Uh, a main focus on at the moment that's working. So, yeah, one of the one of the first things we've got on the list to cover uh, is the subject of hosting. Um, and mm. and you and I have these conversations with clients all the time. And yep. the majority of people out there in the marketplace really don't understand that there is a vast difference between. Uh, different types of hosting that you can get for your website. And um, it's not all created equal. And there's lot, lots of people who are currently using cheap hosting out there and they don't give it a second thought and they think it's just as good as, you know, some of the, the, the higher end hosting. But there's a major difference or differences in the, the premium hosting. So I'll let you take this one because it's one of your, one of your favorite subjects. Yeah. Well, okay. So in the past we did, I think last year we did like eight blueprint episodes, but it seems that these things come up regardless. And the, the, those blueprint episodes were different, I guess, industries or types of businesses that were focused on because there was different strategies there. But it seems, um, I'm not sure what you're getting, but on this end, regardless of what industry, these things keep coming up. And the number one thing that we've kind of beaten the drum 
about a bit in the past is hosting speed and hosting reliability. I think there's um yep. there's a massive problem where in Australia and worldwide, um, I'm probably having ten conversations with at least ten businesses a week now about um, website speed, WordPress uh, load speed, um, and I think it's partially because people are doing more stuff online and um, also, internet connections are getting faster all over the world, so it's really noticeable on a website load slow. So I guess at the fundamental layer, everything you do online with your marketing sits on top of your website hosting, and like you, you don't need to tell people that if a website's slow to load or it's buggy or it's kind of half loads or whatever, they'll lose patience almost immediately in less than a few, less than five seconds, and click away and go elsewhere. So we're seeing this problem True. where hosting companies, so you know. A, a basic hosting account with GoDaddy or Bluehost or Crazy Domains or somewhere, five or ten bucks a month. But the only way those companies make money is by stacking ten thousand websites on a single server. Um, the problem with that is that the whole thing crawls, like the websites are taking five or ten seconds to load. So that has a you know an on-stream effect um, that affects everything else. It affects the Google rankings because Google have said that faster websites rank higher or slow rank. Well, probably more accurately, slow websites don't rank as high. Um, it affects, uh, you know, people click through from the ads and the website takes too long to load and they click away before it even loads, so they're burning ad budget. And it just sucks as a customer. Like, you know, I don't think we need to explain it. You know, when you get to a slow website, it just sucks and you're like, ah, unless you really, really want whatever they're buying and have no other option, you'll usually go elsewhere. So Yeah. Too true. People yeah. are extremely, extremely low on patience and tolerance of slow websites. Have been for years, but even more so now because everything is just instant. So, and there's nothing better than when you go to a website, you click the page, and it it, it loads up in a second. Like bang, there it is, bang bang, and that's how you really should expect your own website to perform as well. Because uh, yep. you'll definitely be losing sales slash customers if it's not. It's just yep. an absolute fact. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really noticed this because I got a fiber, a really fast internet connection this year, and it was really, really, or last year, sorry, it was really noticeable. Um, when you get a slow website, like, ugh. So um, yeah, I think that the if you're only spending five or ten bucks a month on hosting, it's more than likely that you're that's hurting you. So it's it's you know basically false economy. You might save a couple of bucks a month. But uh, you're losing that elsewhere in terms of new customers. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Probably the easiest thing to do to determine whether you're on good quality hosting or if you have a speed problem is, one, load up your website and see if it loads fast. Um, But a bit more scientific if you go to – there's a a speed test at tools, T-O-O-L-S, tools.pingdom.com, P-I-N-G-D-O-M.com. Stick that in. It's got a – couple of different i think they have five or six test locations different countries so if you're in australia there's an option there to test it from melbourne put your website in there and if it loads if it takes more than five seconds to load you really do have a problem ideally uh the site should load in one to two seconds so most websites will load in like one and a half seconds like 1.6 seconds um and that's fast that'll, that'll give you that snappy loading feel if it's more than five seconds then you'll have that Oh, I'm waiting for this to load feeling and that's definitely a problem. So Yeah, definitely a good idea because that will isolate 
whether because you may have a slow internet connection that is the cause of the the website yep. loading too. So to complete, completely eradicate that as a possibility using something like Pingdom, um, it's coming from their system and giving you and giving you lots of data and examples of what needs to be improved or fixed or yep. where the bottlenecks are. So fantastic tool, great tip. Um, yep. So something else about hosting that. Uh, often people don't think about is the the well they they sort of do and a lot of I think a lot of web companies uh, push the old um, reliability score or uptime of ninety nine point nine percent. You see it on you know mm-hmm. most of the sort of lower end hosting um, platforms, but I mean you really, ultimately you really don't want your website down at all. I mean who wants to have their yep. website not appearing at any time? Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, a lot use 99%. So 99% uptime means it's down for three and a half days a year. Yeah. So the numbers can be deceiving. If you do 0.99 times 365, you'll be surprised. That's a lot of downtime. Um, yeah, reliability is really important. Um, even if it loads, so we offer a service where we speed up people's websites. So if even if they're on cheap hosting like GoDaddy or Bluehost or NetRegistry, we can get it rolling we can get it loading quite fast in like one or two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the, there's a problem with reliability that it's going to be down a lot too. Um, and when it has more than a few visitors on it at once, then it starts to fall over as well. So I think, yeah, reliability is key. Uh, and also the website ability to, to handle a lot of visitors at once because well, we have some customers who do TV advertising and you can see when the ads are on TV because they go from having two or 300 visits a day to you know two or 3,000. So... Mm. Uh, yeah, so the quality, it's speed is, is only one measure. There's also reliability and ability to take more um, visitors at once. And then probably also just to point out while we're talking about hosting that there's different parts to the hosting. So email, the, so there's four parts we've talked about before. Email hosting yep. for your email, web hosting for your website. Then there's your domain name, which you buy from your domain registrar. And then your DNS hosting, which is kind of the hidden bit that makes it all work. It's the glue that that kind of ties it together. Ideally, we've we've talked about this quite a bit, but they should all be with four separate providers for maximum reliability. Um, because then, if one provider goes down, then it's not going to take out everything. Um, and also, different providers are better at different stuff. So for email hosting, um, I think you do as well. We use. Uh, Google Apps G Suite, yep. which is business business Gmail from Google, yep. um, which is I don't I don't think it ever has really downtime. Um, occasionally, that one one or two times a year, I think it goes the email delivery might be a little bit slow when they're having some sort of issue. But generally, like yeah. I cringe when people go, "I'm having my emails down." I'm like, it really shouldn't no, be down. It shouldn't like, be down. I, like, and I can I can honestly say I've never ever ever had a problem with with google's mailing system it's just it's never never been down and i've i've yeah so 100 percent agree yep. it needs to be separate from your hosting that's one of the biggest problems i think a lot of people have is say when it goes down for their hosting their emails down at the same time which is not good yeah and it, i mean these things cost a little bit more but we're talking about it's funny because people are really hesitant to go they're like oh i'm spending five bucks a month or whatever but they're really hesitant to go from five to twenty-five or thirty a month, which is really weird because most people will spend more than that on a, a nice lunch one, you know, a couple of times a month. So it's yeah. kind of there's this weird price sensitivity around hosting, and I think a lot of it is because 
those cheap hosting providers have kind of educated the market that that's what hosting costs. It's only five or ten bucks a month, but it really is a, a quality. You you have to pay for good quality hosting, and it's not. I, you could in the past, I guess, afford to to scrimp on it, but today, because I mean, even a three G connection on a, on a smartphone is super fast compared to what it was a few years ago. So it's really noticeable when the that website speed is a bottleneck, and email. It, it's mission critical. Like you just really can't have email going down. So again, people have this, I think people think email's free because of Gmail. And again, the market's trained them not to value or they don't want to pay for it. But I think Google apps is five bucks a month per mailbox or 50 bucks a year per mailbox for what's an enterprise grade service. I think it's crazy to be a tight ass for that amount of money and have something yeah. not ha- have something that doesn't work for you just to save a few bucks a month. Hey, in Perth it's ten cups of coffee. Seriously, you're gonna you're gonna risk your business over ten cups of coffee. Um that's that's insane. So you know look if you're not spending or prepared to spend those types of uh, amounts of money on your business, you shouldn't be in business in my opinion. Right. Um, yes, yeah, so I know people bootstrap and they get started, and you know, you, you, there's there's uh, lots of expenses with running a business, uh, but you have to factor them in. If you don't factor them in, then you're not really serious about what you're doing, uh, and you're probably better off just having a job and not having those worries or responsibilities. But if you're going to do it, you really need to pay attention to these things because you and I hear these stories all the time when people have these sorts of problems, and they're just problems that can be completely avoided by just doing a bit of smart thinking and and not following yep. the rest of the sheep who go for all the cheap stuff that are getting marketed to. Yep, yep. Really, more and more, there's this concept now I think of, like in the past, you had a factory full of equipment or whatever it was. Now you have this, almost all businesses have this digital capital. So it's it's not tangible, but, you know, it's in the cloud. It's computer stuff that they can't see. So I think some people have a problem understanding that there is still a quality element associated with it and you know paying a little bit that's it's not even a lot of money it's a couple it's less than 100 bucks a month so mm. to go from like garbage to top of the line so too true uh, too true yeah and the the other thing with hosting which is a, a, a big one and we've covered this on uh, an episode about backups before um, mm-hmm. is making sure that you the service you use has a decent backup system itself, and we're talking internally within the same hosting platform, but also using a third-party backup system as well. Um, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure you do as well, but I go to the ex- – I wouldn't say to the extreme, but I, I, I take the extra step of not just trusting the backups that um, our sort of higher-end hosting companies provide that we, that we deal with, and I'm – getting my hosting through you. Um, so, But we also use an external backup system for that, but we also use uh, an external backup system for backing up our uh, Google suite as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I don't trust any company, no matter how good Google is and how reliable they have been and all that sort of stuff, I still want to have a fallback position where if something did happen and for some reason Google lost all of my email, I've got somewhere I can go back to and recover it very quickly. Uh, and that's like three bucks US a month for doing the, the, the backup for that and about $5 a month, I think it is, for the for the actual hosting backup. So really, really cheap insurance to make sure that if anything goes wrong, you have somewhere to fall back onto and recover very quickly. 
Yep, yep, agree. Because, I mean, they're digital assets. They, they're they not tangible, but they still have a lot of value. If the business loses them, it's uh, it's trouble. So, yep, yeah, yeah. completely agree. And probably domain names. You want to talk about domain names for a minute? Uh, yeah, look, domain names are – it's a little bit of a tricky one because – Usually things don't go wrong with your domain name. Like the, the the domain registrars very very rarely ever have an issue where uh, because that's where it all you know it all ex- um, comes from that point. The domain name to the hosting, the email, it's all attached to the domain. So if there is something that actually happened with your domain registrar, and the domain registrar is where you actually go and register the domain, and often they are they have hosting. Um, tied in with them as well. They have hosting services. They do domain registration like GoDaddy and NetRegistry, all these mob. But this is why Brendan and I are saying use separate companies so you split it up. But uh, look, there's lots of very reliable domain registrars out there. Um, one that I've actually been using a lot, lot more recently for uh, .com.au domains is a company called Only Domains, onlydomains.com.au. Um, and I, they're like $20 for two years for a domain registration for a .com.au. So about as, that's about the lowest price you can actually get. But their, their interface and the dashboard and their systems and their services and their support has been fantastic. Um, absolutely loved using only domains. They do other domains. You can register .coms and .nets and all the new domain extensions that are out there. But, um, I'd say have no association with only domains. This don't get paid or they don't sponsor us or anything like that. So mm-hmm. just found them to be really, really good. Yep. Cool. So that's, that's probably it for domain, uh, hosting domains and stuff. Yep. Anything else to add? No, that's, that's it. So, uh, next on the list. Um, so what do we got? Well, nobody's really talking about this, which is, I find interesting. Um, really simple. And a lot, well, like a lot of these things, really simple, and they're so simple, people don't kind of understand the power of them. Um, but uh, having the or giving the customers or giving your customers the ability to buy, book, reserve, whatever it is they need to do to do it on the website. So if they're like a dentist, for example, the ability to or any sort of medical thing, the ability for customers to go to the website and make a, a problem like. And, and not just sent through a contact form, but the actual real ability to book an appointment online. Yes. Because, uh, I, I mean, that, that's, I guess it's, you know, it's conversion optimization, but that's ultimately the, whatever the, ultimately the thing you want customers to do, buy from you or call or make a, an appointment, have the ability to do that online. Cause, you know, they, they'll be wanting to do that 24-7. There'll be people who'll be there on the website at 1am who want to make an appointment. So, really yes. simple. Yeah. True, true, true. Yep, very overlooked still, I think. So, but and it has to be like a real, genuine booking system. So, like with the all the medic, we do a lot of work with dental and medical practices. That's one of the first things we do. It's like, well, we need proper online booking capability, and all of them. There's like without a sec, without exception, see an increase in bookings. And the thing that most people uh, don't get initially is that. It's not just about getting new patients, it's your existing patients want to use that as well. Like people who already know you, they'd rather just go to the website, a fair chunk of them would rather go to the website and just make your booking there rather than have to call you or send an email and have all this back and forth associated with it. Yes, absolutely, 100% agree. And um, I actually, finally, as we speak, I'm in the process of uh, setting that up for the website because I've been using it um, 
when I say sort of more manually in person, when, when I'm having a conversation with someone or someone e- emails me and wants to have a phone call or a Skype call or a, a, a meeting, then um, I use something called HubSpot Sales, which is a $50 a month US um, system. It's a CRM, email, um, marketing system, a monitoring system, and also a appointment booking platform all tied into one. It's really, really good. And I'm just starting to discover more and more of the the potential of what it does. And having that online booking system is definitely one of the things it does. And uh, the, the just doing that alleviates that whole back and forth, as you said, the, the um, email tag, as I referred to it, or telephone tag or Skype tag. Uh, just you, you send people a link. It shows all the options on the calendar. It synchronizes with Outlook or with your uh, Google Calendar or, or Gmail Calendar, whatever, um, and just alleviates all of that hassle. So, yeah, fantastic. Fully agree with that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we really need to say any more. Like, uh, and most businesses can probably DIY that. Like, if someone's listening and they have a medical practice, that's pretty easy one to go and do the investigation for and it's like it doesn't need it doesn't need our for most cases it doesn't need our special skills to do that it's a pretty simple piece of technology to implement yep definitely cool uh what we got next page of content for every product and service that you sell and every location that you're in um very very true take it away Mm -hmm. mr b Pretty simple. We probably talked about this one before as well, but uh, this is how it's, it's super technical. Our number one Google ranking strategy for our SEO clients is to get a page of content on the website for every product and service they sell and every location they're in. Like it's, uh, um, I mean, it's not magic. Google, you can't show up in Google for something you don't have a page about. Like it's, it's pretty fundamental. There's no magic black box stuff going on there. Um, and customers can't buy something if you don't sell it to them. So, yes. um, yeah, I mean, that's probably, apart from fixing the hosting, that's one of the first things to do with the client is get them to brainstorm, make a list of every product and service they sell, and we match it up with pages on the website. Uh, the homepage doesn't count either. So, no. um, yeah, so basically match them up. If there's no page, then we need to get a page. Uh, same with the locations. Um, they just need a, a page for each location. Uh, they also need a contact us page, but they need a specific one for each location. That'll help them rank for the whatever it is, product or service, and that location. So if they have an office in Sydney and an office in Perth, having a services page will help them rank for that particular service without a location attached. But then having the location pages tells Google that, they have an office in Perth. They have an office in Sydney, or you know whatever the locations are. Yeah, and that ties in with the Google Places listing as well. So if they have, it does. if they have those in the individual pages, and we were only just talking about that uh, earlier this morning for some of the stuff I'm doing. So um, yeah, if you don't have the pages, then it can't Google Places or Google My Business. Google changes yep. the name, but most people still refer to it as Google Places. The the map listing on on Google Search. Uh, it ties in with the pages of content you've got on your website. So um, very important to have that so that you'll get the benefit of that when someone does a keyword search on whatever it is you're trying to rank for. Yeah. So it's, And then the second layer, so that's actually hard work. We were talking before we, got, we hit the record button because we've both been reviewing our websites. And to do to write a good page of content for 
a particular service, something that actually sells and will make people want to buy or call you is a lot harder than it seems. It takes hours and hours. Like I, I did one over the holidays. It took 13 hours total to get the page written and up on the website, which is a lot of time. So mm. it's, that's probably like having a couple of lines on the, on the page isn't going to cut it. It needs to be a quality page. And typically you'll know, you're already talking to clients about this product, so you'll know what you roughly say to the client in person is what needs to be on the web page with a couple of pictures or maybe some testimonials. And then also embedded in the page is if a contact form, for example, or whatever it is, a buy button or, or whatever the next step is you want the customer to take. But then the next level after that is the most common questions that people ask as part of the buying process. Then... Uh, ideally a page of content for each one of those if it, if it warrants it. So mm. um, might be something like a buyer's guide that answers the top 10 questions and then you need another 10 pages. So they'll get you a lot of traffic for that as well because those typically will be the the things that people are searching in Google and they're the things they need to know before they buy. So that's probably the advanced version of that 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 too, I guess. is Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, right? For you know, for not not forever necessarily, but for a foreseeable length of time down down the track, that page will continually work for you. It'll be, you know, like a, a digital salesperson that's just out there on the net, working, working, working. Um, as as they say from one of my favourite movies, uh, the intern, the interns, uh, where he keeps saying out there on the line. On the line. Uh, on the line. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie The Interns, um, check it out. It's hilarious. Anyway, I, I digress. But, yeah, it, it, once you've put the effort in, and, yes, you you know, you spent, you said, 13 hours working on a page, but now other than maybe some refining and tweaking over time, it's still just going to be consistently working and, and, and hopefully bringing in inquiries and sales from that page. So if you don't, if you have a website that just has the standard boring old stuff on there, uh, and you don't have these additional, um, you know, quality pages of content, then the the site's not going to work for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I you can see there's a kind of a theme that uh, I'm kind of getting to that this stuff needs a lot of attention, more and more attention um, to make it work right. Um, it's not something, yeah, sure. not like in the, in the past, it was very set and forget where you built a website and then you forgot about it for five years, but the market's absolutely changed and the, the approach is going to have to change. But none of this stuff is, is hard. Like there's nothing. So the three things we've gone through so far are not, they're not really hard to understand or grasp. There's, it's very logical. You do this, you get this result and it's, there's no gray area. It's the fast website is better. Like, there's, there's no arguing that these things absolutely work and that will get you more customers. So, um, But the thing is you need to be on them and they need constant attention. It's not, I guess as a business owner, you have to be mindful of them now all the time. You can't just, you know, it's not like the old days where you paid for a Yellow Pages ad. You saw the Yellow Pages guy once a year and then you saw him 12 months later. It's that style of marketing and sales just doesn't work anymore. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people would love it for to go to go back that way. Uh, I know, cause, right? Because their life was a lot easier back in in that era when that was all they had to think about. That was that was their marketing efforts for the year. Uh, and f- for a lot of businesses, that was it. That it, it did it. So there is always the argument: is have have we 
are things better now with the internet? It's certainly harder for a small business, I think. There's a lot more they've got to, you know, they're juggling, you know, many, many balls in the air trying to get, get this stuff to work now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know. But the upside is, right, like it, if you give it the attention, it's it's going to be a marathon, but if you give it the attention and you do the work, then it, it does work. Yeah, but, abs- uh, absolutely. It just keeps on ticking over and paying for itself and, and every time you add a page of content about a sp- specific product or service, that's another salesperson out there working for you. Um, so having that discipline to put it out there consistently. And I always get asked, you know, how often should we put content up? And I say, well, as often as you can. There's no limit. You could have 50,000 pages of content on your website. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily all have to be indexed on the menu page. You know, it, it could be sitting there behind that gets, uh, it gets found in the search engine. So people come into your site from whatever that page of content is. Um, I think people mix the two up. I get this a lot. I don't know whether you do as well, Brendan. They get concerned that if they have all these pages of content, that they're going to have this really complex navigation system on their on their website. And I'm saying, well, you don't have to do that. You can still just have your your core things listed, and then you can have a link to articles or your blog posts. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, not all of them have to be public either. Like we have a lot of clients who use the website as. Uh, an education tool that might be on the phone to a client. I do it too with a podcast. So I'm on the phone to somebody explaining something and I'm like, uh, okay, we have a page. I'll just send them the link here. Go listen to the podcast or here's a play- page that explains it much better than, you know, I've explained it a hundred times before. So now we made a page on the website that answers that question. So. Yeah. So just to be clear there, so people understand when you say it's not public, you mean it's not uh, indexed by the search engines or you actually well, have a password to get into the page. Well, we have all of those, actually. We mm-hmm. have uh, pages that aren't in the navigation, but they'll be findable in Google. Yep. Uh, we have pages that aren't, that they're kind of information pages for customers. And then we have some, like we have some WordPress training videos that I think uh, um, need a, just a basic password to get into. So Yeah, okay. So, and yeah, and you can take that further and have a membership site where there's specific content for people who've paid, etc. So, okay. So, look, yeah. So, there's all different ways you can use content, but the, the, the point we're getting at is you have to actually put it out there. You have to, you've got to get someone else to write it, whatever the scenario is, but you really need to get into the, the, the mindset of it's a consistent thing that you have to do uh, because your competitors are and content and quality content is the thing that's attracting business through organic traffic. Uh, so if you're not having that as a major focus for your business for 2017, your competitors will start eating your lunch. No two ways about it. Next. Next. I'd, I'd like some lunch. I'm hungry now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> talk about eating lunch. Uh, okay. So next one. Uh, reviews. This is one that we probably in the last six months has just uh, become so important um, is um, managing your, I guess it's called reputation management, but yeah. basically managing your reviews online at a minimum, monitoring them. So if someone says something bad, which is inevitable, there's going to be one customer yep. that is not going to, is going to have a less than optimal experience. So you are going to get a bad review at some point in time Mm. that's not really a problem if you're managing the reviews effectively so um because one of the things we do when we take on a new client is google their business name to see what uh is in the search results so quite often because then most people don't do that so quite often 
the website ranks number one, they'll have the maps listing, and then like in position three or four, there'll be a website with a bad review and it says a one-star rating in the search results, which doesn't look great. So um, it's really important to be ahead. And on Facebook pages as well, people just reviewing, going nuts reviewing businesses on Facebook pages. So having at a minimum monitoring uh, all the properties that you're listed on online where people can put reviews, so that would be Google being Apple Maps, uh, Facebook page and probably Yelp. Yep. Um, those would probably be the basic ones. And then having a strategy to get more reviews on an ongoing basis so that um, when you do get a negative review, it's one negative review out of 100 rather than just one negative review and zero other positive reviews. Yeah. So we've we've got that scenario playing out right now with a, a new client that came to us the other day. I can't, I can't say who they are and what the, what the story is, but... They've, they've received some really bad negative press um, and it, it hasn't just been on review sites. It's been in publications like The Age and The Sydney Morning Herald and there's been articles that have been written about them. Nothing nothing that has, has actually been proven yet, but it's been, you know, the thought's been put out there. So in, in the scenario where you've got uh, lots of negative press on other websites that you have no control over, like newspaper websites or major blog uh, blog sites. How do you deal with that? How is it when someone does a search on that business name and the top two, three, four articles or, or, or listings are from those types of sites, what is the best strategy to deal with those types of scenarios? Yeah, that's a bit of a more complex one, right? Um, yep. At a minimum, having the properties around the web, like on those on those important sites, claimed. So at least the first page of search results, you own it. Then that's going to go a long way to, um, I guess, I don't know what the word is. Not, I guess, drowning out. The, that negative PR, yeah, um, pushing down so, or suppressing because basically, if they're, you know, if they're not on the first page, you you you're you're doing okay. But it's when the negative stuff's on the first page because a lot of people don't even go past the first page. They may go to page two on Google search results, but not that many. But if it's on the first page and there's a couple of them, you you're pretty much stuffed because it doesn't take much of a to to pop that negative thought process in someone's mind that they will then maybe dismiss using you as a business or a service. So. Yeah. I mean, on the basically having a profile on the big sites and putting a bit of content there is going to be a good basic defense against that. So that would be a LinkedIn bit. Well, we talked about the map site. So Google Maps, Apple Maps, Bing Maps, Yelp, uh, a Facebook page, mm. a LinkedIn business page, Pinterest page, Twitter profile. So if you had all of those, those would probably take up most of the first page of Google. Um, and then there might be some industry-specific directories or websites for your business. So that's pretty much 10 pages, 10 sites. So that will fill up the front page when someone's searching for you. Um, so, yeah, and that's all free, and you could probably do that within an hour um, or maybe two hours. And then probably the other thing, maybe run AdWords on your own business name. Um, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, it depends what market you're in, right? Um, because... Uh, some markets, people will type in your business name and it will have what you do in the in the business name itself. So competitor ads trigger. Like if someone types in John's Plumbing, then a whole bunch of plumber ads are going to come up because it has the word, plum- word plumbing in, in the search. So I think 
in that case, well, I guess probably Google what uh, your business name is and some variations of it or what customers are going to be using to search for you and see what it looks like. Most people don't Google their business name. So if a whole bunch of ads show up, then you probably should be advertising for your business name as well. Absolutely. And also advertising using your competitors' business names. Um, but that's another story. All right. So we have got next. Have we finished on that on that one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. Beating um, the drum off. Uh, SEO. I mean, SEO sort of has been laced through the things we've just been talking about anyway. Uh, but search engine optimization uh, yep. is is not going away is a lot of people I, I hear people saying oh seo is dead but i think uh, i think there's a misconception out there and a lot of people were referring to maybe the old ways seo was done um and seo is it's much more based around what we have just been talking about in terms of having that very strong focus on the the content and the quality of that content um and the, and the focus on having you know, individual pages of content. It's not like when you say all this, I go, really, is it really not that obvious <laughs> that this is how it should be? It really just sort of makes sense when you put it out there like that. So, Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess the, the point is that you you don't get traffic by accident. Um, if you want to rank, then you need to really be doing SEO proactively. And it, I mean, if you want traffic from Google, you need to really have an SEO provider and be running Google AdWords advertising. And probably shouldn't, unless you're an AdWords specialist, you probably shouldn't be DIYing that. So the broader point is you need to be proactive about the strategy to get traffic to your website. And probably for at least 50% of the businesses, that primary traffic source is going to be Google. So in that case, you probably should have AdWords and SEO as you know something you're doing proactively. Yeah, because you want to dominate as much of that uh, search engine results page as possible. You want to be in the advertising space at the top, in the top three to four spots there. And you also want to be at least in the first top five minimum of the organic search results. And you want to be on the Google Places map as well. You want to basically show up uh, in several different places on that main page. So it's a very strong indicator to whoever's doing the search that you're a major player for that particular keyword term that they've just searched on. So... um if you don't show up, they're not going to click on you. That's pretty much guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think uh, some business owners um, are quite confused as well. Like, so we have some SEO audit tools on the web on our website, and I'm always surprised at what. So basically, you put a keyword into it, and it tells you what's wrong with the page on the website or how you can improve it to rank higher. And um, a lot of people put in a very broad keyword instead of a more specific keyword. There might be a a hotel or a accommodation provider and they'll just put hotel into it as the as the keyword they're trying to rank for it's that doesn't make sense people use very specific terms when they're searching google when they want something so um going back to that exercise we talked about um about building pages of content for every product and service you have the most important search terms to rank for are whatever the product and service you sell is and your physical location. So ideally at a minimum, you, well, you need to be ranking number one for your business name, but then ideally for those products and services you made in that brainstorming exercise, you need to rank for whatever they are. If, if you're a dentist, cosmetic dentist, and your suburb or city or location, wherever it is. So that search term um, is really, though that 
list of products and services and the location is what you should be focused on ranking for, not really broad terms. Like if you're a dentist, you know, you're probably not going to rank for the word dentist. It'll be dentist plus the location. So just being clear about that distinction that it, when you're looking at SEO as a business owner, it's really very specific search terms that you need to be ranking for and not the really broad ones. Yeah. And so, look, using that example you just gave, if how far do people need to take this? If they are trying to rank for cosmetic uh, dentist and we'll use Perth as the example that we've just been using. So if they put in Perth, that's quite broad because Perth – uh, in some cases, could mean the actual internal sort of city or the CBD of Perth, or it could mean all of the metropolitan area because a lot of people just put in Perth and that's what they're referring to. But more specifically, if they're going to put in a suburb within the, the metropolitan area, like they might put in Subiaco or Claremont or somewhere like that. So would you recommend that they have a page of content, if they service those areas, obviously, uh, that they should have a page of content about cosmetic uh, dentistry Claremont and cosmetic dentistry Subiaco. Mm, you need to be careful here. So this is where you're getting it into a territory where people will. I mean, in the old days, you had well, not the old days, but ten years ago, five or ten years ago, people would fill a key, a page full of keywords and mm-hmm. basically keyword stuff it um, yep. in order to rank, and that worked ten years ago. But that doesn't work anymore. Google Smart. No. Um, so now today's version of that keyword stuffing is being a dentist and in say at South Perth or something and having all the pages say cosmetic dentistry, South Perth, like teeth whitening, South Perth, that's today's version of keyword stuffing. It doesn't really work like that. So like we talked about before, it's the intersection of having a services page and a location page on your website that will get you ranking for that location. So if you only have one location, then the contact us page serves that purpose of being that location page Mm -hmm. and then the individual services pages serve that purpose of um you know having some content that ranks for the service itself so it's really uh i wouldn't make specific services pages for locations like we talked about you need a a page for that service and then you need a page for each location that Google's not stupid it knows there's a suburb and several suburbs surrounding it so yeah um, if you're in uh, you know, a, a suburb that's most likely you'll rank for that if you rank for that suburb like I think you said cosmetic dentist Claremont it's most likely that you'll rank for the next couple of suburbs over and around that as well um, okay. Yep. Because Google Google knows about topics, topical relevance, and lo- like location relevance. So, um, yes, yeah, so as long as you kind of check that box with service a page for the service and then a page for the location, then you should rank. Um, yeah. Does that yeah. answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was that was the point I was getting at. You really want to be careful that you're not going to get pinged for having you know, duplicate content or trying to uh, over optimize on keyword terms. All those sorts of things. So, yeah, and probably like important things as well as having the address on the website because Google needs to understand um, where you are. So without the address, they don't. Google, Google doesn't know. It uses all these things as signals. There's no like, I guess it's not a black and white where you do this and it definitely works it out. I mean, <laughs> Google isn't some sort of god. They're trying to mimic what human behavior is so they're trying to get as close to what a human person would be able to do and they're just trying to do it with an algorithm so 
if you don't have an address on the web page, a person isn't going to be able to work out where you are. So therefore, Google won't be able to work out where you are. So ideally, contact us page has the address. It has an embedded map. It has your phone number and email address. And probably the footer of the website should have that as well. So it's on every single page. So um, there's no, I guess, there's, if you're doing something that seems dodgy or you're trying to trick Google, they have like teams, thousands of PhD people working on the algorithm. They would have thought of that years ago. So there's no real, a lot of this stuff we've talked about today is, it's not magic. It's all common sense stuff um, that, you know, it's a case of just doing it rather than trying to find the gaps or tricks that even if they do work, they probably won't work in six months time because the loophole will be closed. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So yeah, trying to trick Google um, is really a fool's errand. And uh, just provide quality, clear, concise, logical information uh, to the end user. Because really, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking to two different masters. You're talking to what I classify as the human, but you're also talking to the Android, which is the, the Google robots or the search spiders, whatever you want to refer to them as. Um, but they really, you're serving, the, if you provide that content to to provide quality stuff to your end user, then that typically is going to satisfy Google because that's ultimately what they're supposedly about is relevance to the marketplace and to people searching. So just don't try and be overly smart, I think, is probably what we're getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, yeah, this all, all this stuff is all common sense. Like it's, uh, I think if someone listening... I, almost every person listening is not going to have all these things checked off. So there's definitely doing one or two of them will, there'll be a noticeable difference in results, I think. So, yeah. So, um, Google AdWords, we mentioned before and look, pay-per-click advertising for those who don't know what Google AdWords is. It is their paid advertising portion of Google, uh, that's been around since 2002. Uh, there's still a lot of companies that are only just becoming aware of it. They may have sort of heard about it, but uh, they're starting to say, hey, we need, really need to be advertising because all our competitors are there. So if we're not there, then you know with this one less place that people have the opportunity to find us. So, so Google AdWords encompasses uh, Google search ads. So when you hop on Google and do a search, you'll see ads that appear in the top Left-hand corner, typically anywhere from one to four ads, the maximum that you'll see in the top. And then when you scroll to the bottom of the page, they continue on having another two or three ads at the bottom and then on all the other pages. So that's Google Search. And then there's the Google Display Network that uh, allows you to have ads running on complementary websites that will um, have been set up to allow ads from Google to be displayed on their website uh, for relevant content. So that's why you'll go on another website and you'll, it could be a, a, a site that um, sells horse training or horse riding or something like that. And then you'll see an ad for saddles or an ad for bridal gear or something like that. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about Google AdSense for the display network. So I, I think ultimately, uh, if you're not doing Google AdWords and just relying on purely SEO, that's a fairly major portion of that uh, above the scroll space that people are looking at when they're doing a search is taken up by the paid advertising. Um, so there's a, you know, if you're not there, people aren't going to see you. Simple as that. And a lot of people panic with Google AdWords about the the uh, 
the ad spend, and it's a it's a reasonable thing to think about too, because it is a a daily expense you've got to factor in, uh, and you know it could be ten dollars a day or it could be ten thousand dollars a day, depending on your marketplace and how competitive that marketplace is. So, uh, but the, the, I think the challenge, and you've probably found this as well, Brendan, is that most people, because it's pretty easy just to go and uh, sign up and get a Google AdWords account people sort of misunderstand how complex it actually is. Uh, it was complex early in the day, but com- compared to what it is now, it's like it's there's so many components to getting it to work correctly. You only just have to miss out on a few things and not tick the right box or, you know, whatever it is, and you end up uh, just not running the ads uh, properly and spending too much. Have you found that as well? Yeah. I mean, uh, one word can make or break a, a campaign. So, um yeah i think it's just not diy it's even though google still kind of promotes it as a diy tool it's just not so yeah um, and google you know google's very uh they're very very proactive at the moment as soon as you set up an account they're on to you they'll have someone typically from india or somewhere else or all the philippines contacting you to help you set up your account which is okay and typically the the skill and the knowledge of the people calling from Google is pretty decent. But one thing they typically lack is the local market knowledge. Um, Cause I've had many, 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 literally hundreds of conversations with the, the Google experts from Google. Uh, and they're making all these suggestions that we should do and put in place for different client accounts that make absolutely no sense whatsoever because they don't understand the business, they don't understand the local market because they're not here. So, you know, some of some of the generic stuff that they recommend within the accounts for tweaking is is fine, but quite often they'll be recommending we use keyword terms that just like say, no, that's not even not even a relative keyword term at all. So you've really got to be careful that if you're going to do it yourself you need to spend a lot of time educating yourself. And we're talking, you know, many, many dozens of hours worth to get skilled up professionally to use AdWords, in, in my opinion. So um, otherwise, you're just going to end up, uh, you know, paying idiot tax and spending lots of money on ads. Yeah, the that Google tax, right? That's it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I mean, I, was, I just had a call, actually had a call like 15 minutes before we jumped on this call. And um, just with that advertising because a lot of people don't want to pay for traffic or clicks or, or whatever and they're they're a bit scared about because clicks are free, right? So there's a bit of a negative mindset about paying for traffic. But um, at the – just forgetting about the, the online bit, just at the basic fundamental business level for a minute because we – and I explained this because we, we advertise for hosting um, in AdWords and we're paying 20 to $30 per click for hosting-related terms. Whoa, that's, and that's chunky. Yeah, so we're still making money off that because the basic science works. So the basic business science that underpins that is you get a customer, there is a customer lifetime value. So the amount of money that customer will spend on average over the lifetime of our relationship with them. So let's say we get a customer and the lifetime value of that customer is $1,000 in revenue, right? Then we've got the lifetime profit from that customer because that revenue isn't all profit. So let's say that it's uh, we're making 30% margin out of that customer. So the profit of that customer over their lifetime is $300. So 
From there, we know we get one customer that's $300 profit. Let's say their lifetime is two years, they'll work with us. So we can afford to spend up to, all, well, depending on, on the business itself, but let's say we can spend all of that, we can, you know, we can happily take the customer if we can make, make a dollar profit. So we can spend up to $299 yep. to acquire that customer and we're still making money, we're still making a dollar profit. So that's... Those basic numbers are really, you kind of need to have some idea, especially when you're spending a lot of money on ads. So you need to have yeah. some idea of those numbers, even roughly, they can be refined over time, but even roughly so you can determine what you can spend on AdWords and you know whether you're profitable or not. Because if you don't know those numbers at a basic level, you might actually, if I'm spending $500 on ads to acquire a customer to make $300 profit, I'm losing $200 for every That's customer. Exa- exactly, yeah. So um, we've got a, a tool called the Value Per Visitor Calculator that we've made up, which is enables people to work all this sort of stuff out. So what we'll do in the show notes, um, we'll have a link to it so people can just download it for free. Um, I used to sell it for $100, but now I'm just giving it away to people who are interested for various reasons and podcast listeners. So we'll put a link there. And that enables you to work all that sort of stuff out. You can put in the cost per click, the conversion rate on the website, which is a key component that a lot of people don't seem to think about, that once they click on your ad and they go to your website, what's the conversion rate of people signing up or filling in the contact form or buying the product uh, because that is a major component of whether it's going to work and have a positive return on investment. So we'll include that as well. So very, very good point. You've got to know this sort of stuff. So there is a science to it. Um, there's a definite science to running successful AdWords campaigns. So, yeah. so tied in with that, and this is still on the same platform, this is still uh, tied into the Google Display Network, um, is what we call the remarketing side of things with the Google Display Network. And for those who don't know what remarketing it is, is basically the ability to have a second chance to get back in front uh, of someone who's visited the website. They've left the website. They haven't taken an action like filling in a contact form or buying the product. Uh, and they will typically leave never to return. And 96% of people on average who visit websites leave uh, and typically will not come back. So remarketing actually puts a bit of uh, a tracking pixel or a cookie uh, on the browser of the person visiting the site. And you can control all sorts of different ways and how this is activated and what triggers ads and etc. cetera uh, based on what they did when they hit the site. But it enables you to actually have a like a display ad pop up on another website. Um, so when they're out there on the web again looking around, they get a reminder of what they were looking at uh, on the site that they just left and didn't take any action. So we're finding a lot more people are asking about this now, becoming aware of it, um, and it certainly increases your chance of getting a, an extra bite um, at the out of the apple, so to speak, for people returning back to your site. So remarketing is something definitely to consider, uh, and it's very inexpensive uh, in terms of cost per click compared to uh, Google AdWords search advertising. We're finding typically it's sort of one-fifth of the cost um, of what it is. So remarketing, I think, is definitely a much, much more important part to consider now with paid advertising. Yep, absolutely, totally agree. Also, it's uh, for businesses that have some sort of seasonality um 
uh, it can also be very powerful because you can tag visitors and then run ads to them again in 12 months or, or whenever they're ready to buy again or if they have some sort of consumable component where they need to you know buy a new toner in six months for their laser printer or something like that you can run ads to them around yeah. about that time so yeah a lot of different ways it can be used on a lot of different ways. You can slice and dice it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And remarketing is uh, a service you can use across social media through Facebook. They do basically exactly the same thing. So someone comes to your site, then when they're on Facebook, they will see ads appearing from you in the remarketing format uh, from Facebook. So, um, and we, we haven't talked about Facebook. I mean, it's, it certainly is another viable strategy, massively so. Uh, and some businesses are better suited to Facebook than than others, but um, but again, it's another pay per click side of things. We're not talking about doing s- social media marketing per se. We're talking about doing social media advertising. Um, so, yeah, I think pay per click in general is definitely something that people need to look at doing. If they're not doing any of it at all now, they need to start doing something because they're going to be missing out on business. Yep, totally agree. So we agree on a lot of things, Brendan. That's very, we very good. We do, we do. Absolutely. Um, well, I think. So, what else? I think we've got to the to the uh, end of the list. They're, they're the core things, aren't they? They're you know uh, yeah. the things that we're doing in in our business and for our clients. So that's where we say to you know have a focus for, for the upcoming 2017. If it disappears as fast as 2016, next thing you know, we'll be having this conversation about 2018. So. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, that's that could be easily three months worth of work to get that nailed if you are going at a pretty steady pace. So there's a lot of stuff there and there'll be one or two of those things will make a sizable shift in results, I think. Um, yeah, hard to say. Different businesses, it's going to, different points are going to have an impact. But I think out of that, there was like five main points there or six main points. So yep. one or two of those are going to have cause a sizable shift. It's very hard to say up front which one, but definitely it's it's kind of like a checklist for almost any business today. So yeah. 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 Fantastic. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Good, thank you. Uh, good to get the first episode off the ground for 2017. Thank you for listening to the podcast and uh, we look forward to bringing you some awesome guests over the coming months um so uh stay tuned and uh thanks for listening cool thanks mate cheers Brendan. You next see you, mate bye you've been listening to the business marketing show you can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on itunes soundcloud and stitcher